to a very special episode of the Sports Unite podcast. This is one that has been in the works for months, and I, I'm just so excited, elated, uh, because this episode is dedicated to the fact that the Canadian men's soccer team have qualified for the World Cup for the first time since 1986. For the first time in my lifetime, the men's team will head to the World Cup. Now, the women's uh, program and team have been sky high here in Canada compared to the men's, uh, you know, going to World Cups, getting three Olympic medals, including the gold medal this past Olympics, and put a lot of pressure on the men's side to turn it around because it was a long time ago they were way, way behind where they should be, high in the rankings, not in the good way. But now they are in 33rd rankings and probably going slightly higher and now qualified for the World Cup. And it's it's an emotional day here in Canada. Many people are reminiscing on how far they have come and Jobs only half over now. Now we got a new goal. Uh, but to help with that, we're going to talk about we got some news that will unite us all, some good feeling stories, and we will have a special put it on the board talking about moments from the World Cup since 1986 uh, to get us ready. Now, the draw for the World Cup will take place April 1st. Friday, April the 1st, this episode will come up before, but keep your eyes open on that to see where what group Canada will be in, and we'll definitely break it down later on. So let's get into some news that will unite us all and get us started. As you've uh, probably heard in a different episode, baseball is back. Baseball is off the blacklist of being mentioned in the podcast. Spring training is underway, and the season will get started in... Uh, two weeks at this point, and we will have a baseball uh, episode highlighting what's going down in this season uh, next episode, so look forward to that. A fun story that came out uh, a little while ago was Serena Williams was out for a walk with her husband and walking their dog and stumbled upon two people playing tennis. She decided... Well, let's go. Uh, let's go play in her uh, what looked like UGG boots, not dressed for tennis at all, uh, hoping that she wouldn't be recognized until she got on the court. Well, it's a little hard to not recognize uh, the one of the greatest athletes to ever live, and uh, so she just walks up and goes, "I got winner," which would blow anyone away, and certainly a great surprise to those people. And something that they're always going to remember. And just shows the kind of the the playful side of Serena. Like uh, what athletes do on their downtime. So without social media, a lot of, we wouldn't know what a lot of athletes do. And Serena's certainly busy. But, you know, just showing going back to the roots of the game. And just going to a park. Seeing people play, wanting to play with them. Uh, no money on the line. No you know worry. No stress. And that's what sport is, and it's really good to see, uh, you know, those sides of things. Jacob Truba has been reunited with a good friend, Frank Vitrano. Uh, Now, Vitrano was traded to uh, New York, uh, and 
Truva decided to mark the occasion with a response to a, tr a tweet from 2011, back when the two of them were in silent reading class. And the fact that they force you to have silent reading class, that sucks a little bit, but that is a, you know, a great way to mark the occasion. They were friends, went to school with each other, and now they get to play professional hockey together. That's When you're that age, that's exactly what you want. So good on them and showing your true friendship. And, you know, these people stay friends regardless if they play on the same team or not, but it's good to know that you get to play with your friend. And uh, ten years later, look where they are now. Massive story coming out of the QMJHL. Uh, goaltender Yves Gascon uh, of the saint laurent Patriots or the St. Lawrence Patriots, if you're English, in the Seja, uh, which is kind of like college in Quebec here in Canada, joined the Gatineau Olympique of the Quebec Major Junior League. Uh, and she was called up uh, for Saturday, March the 12th. That's right, I said she. Uh, and she actually got to start a game on March 19th where uh, in a 4-3 loss, so very, very close. This is big news. She's the third ever female to play in the queue. Uh, and she not only plays college level, but uh, she's 9-5 this season uh, with the Patriots. Uh, and now she's getting games with uh, with the Gatineau Olympique, which is just huge. And the more of these stories come out, uh, the better for the sport, for everything, I believe. And uh, Steph Curry is an all-time legend. Uh, when you see you know him playing, he's definitely a Hall of Famer, definitely in the top 75. But when players use their powers for good, that makes you proud, you know, makes you like them. That's how you get to become heroes in people's eyes. Uh, a game in March had fan PJ uh, really, really excited to see their favorite player. However, Steph was out and not playing that game. And PJ was visibly upset. Well, the power of social media and, uh, you know, the power of being a player like Steph Curry is uh, Steph not only got tickets for the family to go to Thursday's game, uh, but met up with PJ, signed autographs with the sign, and did his best to make it up to the young fan and giving an experience nobody will ever, ever forget in that family. For PJ, fan for life. And that's, as an athlete, that is what you want. And it grows the game, grows everything. Goodwill, grows happiness. Not much you can do besides that, being a good person. So good on you, Steph Curry. And now it's time to head to our put it on the board segment. I mean, number one, obviously, will be Canada making the World Cup, but that uh, it's not a World Cup moment in, uh, you know, less than... Nine months now, we'll see what happens in the World Cup. But, you know, put it on the board. It's our list segment where we talk about what has happened in everything and what... Uh... So, as you know, this topic is moments of World Cup since 1986. We're going to go start with number 10. 
And that is the fastest goal in World Cup history. Yes, that has taken place in the past uh, 34 years. Uh, it happened in 2002. Uh, Turkey is actually the nation, if you don't know. Scored with 11 seconds into the game. And you have to watch video because it's close enough to a blink and you missed it moment. Especially for the World Cup. Very, very fast. Uh, number nine, I think, is probably one of the most memorable non-game-winning goals in World Cup history. And that is the flying header. And if you hear that, you probably know what I'm talking about. That's uh, Robin Van Persie. Uh, against all odds, ball crosses in. And instead of taking the ball, shooting it, a flying header, top corner, bringing the Netherlands back into the game. And it's just a remarkable goal. Now, you know you kind of have to do something pretty crazy in order to uh, get on this list more than once. But uh, Luis Suarez, for probably worse, uh, this one and the second one, uh, we'll talk about in a moment, but the bite. The bite, I mean, he's bitten multiple times, which is not a fact that you kind of want to know. But the bite against Italy in 2004, where... Oh, oh, my teeth. Oh, oh, my head. Oh, well, cameras exist. I think he might have forgotten that part. And now Infamy gets nicknames. And now you're known for biting. I think a little more than the other fact, but I think the other fact has a little more oomph to it, which is why it's higher. But you can just say the bite and people know exactly what you're talking about. Not a good thing to be known for. Number seven, the first of two uh, World Cup winning goals, and that is the 2010 final between Holland and Spain. Iniesta's goal in the 116th minute to win the World Cup for Spain, taking that roller coaster ride from the, you know, that's their middle championship, first a Euro, now a World Cup, and then another Euro for a, a little bit of a dynasty, which is pretty crazy in soccer. Just a memorable game, a very intense game, could have gone either way. And Iniesta's goal really just put them put them over and cemented a moment of time. Number six, the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. You can just hear a noise, and that noise is ingrained in every single person. Uh, I had one of these, not knowing it actually had a name. But come 2010, I think the word of the year was Vuvuzuela. And that plastic horn making sound is just ingrained in every soccer fan and casual viewer, the ones that show up just for the World Cup, because you, you know it. Uh, sometimes I'll just play it for fun, just to jog the memory. Uh, they're not a hard instrument to play. If you've played anything uh, like a trumpet, uh, tuba, any one of those types of instruments, pretty same principle, but a vuvuzuela, uh, now it's time to bring it back, let's bring back the vuvuzuela, let's de-hurt uh, everyone, uh, I think it got a bad rap, so let's bring back the vuvuzuela, number six. Number five is uh, Luis's second time on this list, 
and it's the handball. The purposefully handball on the line against Ghana in the quarterfinals. And he got a red card. Ghana got a penalty shot and hit the crossbar. And then it went to shootout and Uruguay did advance to the semifinals. I think doing a purposefully blocking like he did, I think it should have been a goal awarded automatically. And I think that was very polarizing, but the rules at the time was it just red card and you get a penalty shot. I think it should have, it, without the handball, it would have gone in. He did it purposefully. I just think it should have been automatic goal and go from there. It hasn't really been a situation since, so I'm not sure if they did change the rule to that. I don't, somehow I don't think they did, but that's how, that's what I think should have happened is just automatic goal. Ghana was looking to become the first African nation to head to a semifinal in the World Cup. Fortunately, uh, they lost in shootouts and just never happened. If you fell for Ghana, they were a story country for 2010, but it just never happened. And, um, you know, history could have been very, very different. Number four is, uh, I think this goal in my memory lives a little bit higher than the 2010. And that's the Mario Gatsitz goal against Argentina to deny Messi a World Cup. And I remember being out watching it bunch of Argentina fans. I was cheering for Germany at the time, and it was just a massive goal. Essentially, in extra time, again, you knew when he scored, it, time was running out, but it was pretty much over after that. And the place going nuts. And what a, It was a hugely contested World Cup, and the fact that Argentina had made the final. World-class player like Messi looking for that World Cup title. That is what made it just slightly more exciting or more accessible to the average fan, which I think is why it was so busy at every restaurant watching, which uh, come the fall, you know, the restaurants, the pubs, they're going to be viewing parties, probably not outside because it's going to be November here in Canada, but there will be indoor viewing parties for these World Cup matches. Let me tell you, it's going to be exciting. But let's continue on with the list. Number three is Cameroon becoming the first African nation to make the quarterfinals. And this happened in the 1990 World Cup. Not only did they make the quarterfinals, they almost beat England, which would have been bananas to think even today uh but you know a storied country like england <laughs> knowing english fans it would have been another like of course it was us but cameroon was a feisty team and making it to the quarterfinals and almost taking down a giant like england uh would have been again uh huge but uh alas an african nation has yet to make a semi-final that could change in 2022. There are some strong contenders. Number two, the headbutt. That's all you have to say. Uh, Zidane, Big Z, uh, headbutt against Italy, and that photograph of him getting the red card and then walking by the trophy. 
as he exited, which that game ended up going to penalties, and Italy won. Last game of his career, and at least for France anyways, he, it, again, it's one of those sports moments. You don't have to be a soccer fan. Just say the headbutt, Zidane headbutt, and people know. And we've made it to the top of our list. Number one. Actually, it consists of two numbers. The number one is in there. But if you walk up to a sports fan, a real like a good sports fan or a soccer fan, and you just go 7-1, you can remember the time and place where you were watching that game, the photographs, the reaction. It's the biggest blowout I've ever seen. And of course, it happened Germany, Brazil, in Brazil, a soccer mad nation like Brazil, in a semi final where you're like, oh man, could we win the World Cup on home soil? And just to get absolutely decimated, it was 7 1. And if you want to throw back, go watch the highlights and it will throw you back. Let me tell you. So 7-1 is our top World Cup moment since 1986. Let us know what you think. Is Canada qualifying for the World Cup uh, going to, you know, when they get there? Is that moment now going to take a top 10 spot? Or is there another moment that we missed? I don't know. Let us know. But that's going to do it for this quick, exciting episode of the Sports Unite podcast. Thank you so much. Share the, the joy. Celebrate Canada being the first country in CONCACAF to qualify for the World Cup. Although probably by the time this episode airs uh, in a day or two, uh, we'll know a little bit more concrete of who will be joining Canada. Stay safe. Go celebrate. Kick a ball around. Get excited. Join a soccer league this summer uh, or football, depending on where you are listening to this around the world. Stay safe. Sport on and go Canada.